Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, good people? Happy Tuesday afternoon. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. A little belatedly. Sorry, got stuck in traffic, but I am here. I am safe. I hope you guys are having a great election Tuesday. Go out, make your voices heard. Appreciate you guys tuning into us to kind of get a, a, a break from all of the, the politics and coverage and this, that, and the other thing. No political ads here. None whatsoever. And thank God, SP3, they're going to be done after tonight because i am sick and tired of them they're everywhere they're everywhere even on youtube can't even watch my youtube videos anymore jesus no they don't even allow you to be happy i i'm happy to be here back on the believe in pro wrestling podcast to talk about a very interesting uh noteworthy episode of monday night raw i've said it once i'll say it a million times i root for things to talk about and Triple H and Mr. Austin Theory definitely gave us a lot of material to work with. Just kind of setting the stage. If you missed it last night, not only did Austin Theory cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase for the United States Championship, but he did so on an open challenge stipulation. And then on top of that, he lost. Granted, a lot of outside interference from Bobby Lashley involved, but that is the trifecta there for a money in the bank cash in that 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 frankly makes no sense. None whatsoever from any way, shape or form, any angle you look at it. None of that makes sense. We will dive into all of that. We had another big return last night. Uh, if you missed that, we'll dive into that. Uh, Triple H reportedly has an idea on who's going to finally dethrone Roman Reigns after a fantastic main event at Crown Jewel. We will uh, try to figure out who that might be, and we are on the road to Survivor Series War Games. The women's match is mostly set up, mostly set up, but we got a few openings, and I'm looking around at that roster, and I'm wondering, okay, who might be the people that could fill those spots? We'll get into all that. We'll get to your comments. First things first, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. Basketball is back. The NFL is in full swing and bet online remains your number one source for all of your sports. <coughs> excuse, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Uh, sports betting needs this season. You'll get the latest odds, team matchup information, player news and game trends at bet online. And as your continued source for all your wagering information, bet online features live betting, free contests and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and events. Head to betonline.ag. Join up today. Receive your 50% Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get those rewards. That is B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. If you're joining us today, thank you so much. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Turn the bell on while you're here. That way you can get the notifications whenever we drop a video. And if you're new to the show, if you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button, guys. We're so close. We're so close. We're, we're right at the, we're on the goal line of 500 subscribers. We're right there. And as soon as we get to 500, one of you guys is going to win $100 to either shop AEW or WWE shop. Your choice. 
Just check out my pin tweet at Rick Uccino, R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O. For those who are listening on TuneIn Radio or anywhere podcasts are available, check out my pin tweet, follow the instructions, make sure you're subscribed. Somebody's going to win as soon as we get there, and we are ever so close. SP3, I laid it out there in the intro. What on God's green earth happened in the main event last night? We had seen Austin Theory on numerous occasions tease that he might be winning a world championship only to be thwarted several times. And that honestly, that was a good gimmick for him. Like come down to the ring, figure out how he was going to screw it up that night. He teases cashing it in for the NXT championship. And instead last night, again, United States title open challenge was an option and he loses. Thanks to Bobby Lashley. I'm not going to say this is the worst cash in ever, but it's definitely the most confusing. I would argue it might be the worst. Uh, the only thing that stops it from being the worst is Baron Corbin cashing in on uh, Jinder Mahal and being rolled up to lose his uh, money in the bank cash in. But I'm sorry, this might this is a contender to compete with that because Austin Theory for months tries to cash in on the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. The champion of all champions, the top star in the company, Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, fails time in, time out from different reasons, whether it's uh, Brock Lesnar, whether it's Tyson Fury. He gets thwarted every single time to to a rush job of this where we, we fast forward literally like two months after the last time he tried to cash in at Clash at the Castle, he just decides to cash in not only on a secondary title, because regardless of how much of a job, great job you think Triple H has done rehabbing the U.S. title, it's a secondary title. It is what it is. It can be a good secondary title if they make it important, but I don't think they've done enough to make it feel like it is the top prize on Raw and make it feel like it's worthy of the Austin Theory cashing it, in, cashing in on it. And I, I talked about this. I tweeted about this last week when they had Seth. No, two weeks ago when they had Seth Rollins on commentary during Jerry Theory versus Ali, and they talked about, oh, what if Theory cashes in on your U.S. title? I think that was the first time that they were putting it out there to to make it a visible thing because I never even thought it was possible. I was like, yeah, I never money in the me. bank. Money in the I, bank is cashed in on the top title. But not only did he cash in on not the top title, he cashed in on the title that he already won. He's the youngest U.S. champion of all time. You know how I remember that? He mentions it every promo. And then two, he cashed it in on a title that there was an open challenge for. You could have just answered the open challenge. Why did you need to ruin your money in the bank contract? Why did you need to basically botch your cash in for a championship that he literally said he was starting to do open challenges. So even if you didn't accept this week, if you waited till next week, you could have you could have answered the open challenge and capitalized on the injured set because it's gonna take more than a week to get get you know healthy from that ass kicking he took from Bobby Lashley. But no, we oh man, this is I understand that this is kind of a hindrance that was given to him by the Vicious yeah. Man era, but. Triple H has completely just said, I don't even care. Like, I'm just going to completely, I'm throwing it away. I'm putting it away. And for anyone who thinks, oh, it's just some money in the bank cash in. He fails. No problem. You know, regardless of, oh, those other guys were booked by Vince that failed. This is Triple H. 
All I'm going to say is that this will take a lot on the Triple H regime to recover Austin Theory at this point. Yeah, so I completely missed on commentary where they even mentioned the fact that that Austin Theory could cash or that he could cash in on Seth Rollins. So I didn't even hear that on commentary. So this came as a total surprise to me. This is like total video game booking. Like until last night, the only time that I have ever even heard of anybody possibly cashing in on a championship other than a world title was in WWE 2K. Like I I don't even know what happened. I think I was like storyline with Rey Mysterio is the money in the bank cash in and he cashed it on the IC title. I'm like, what the fuck crazy storyline is this? They would never do that. Well, I was wrong because uh, they did this last night. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here and trying to make this make sense. And it, and it doesn't. And it's, it, it's just a total stupid ass thing to do. And the, the best thing that I can come up with here, and this may be me just doing what I normally do and digging down deep and trying to find meaning in bad booking, right? Maybe Theory's just an idiot. Maybe his character is just an idiot and he did a dumb thing in, in, in a moment last night where he he made a fucking mistake, right? I have seen grown men in professional sports do the dumbest fuck things on the planet. It happens. There is a human element to this where maybe Austin Theory just got lost in the moment. He said, screw it. Maybe the refs wouldn't have cleared Seth Rollins in the moment for the open challenge after he just got his ass whooped by uh, by Bobby Lashley, maybe Seth wouldn't have agreed to wrestle theory in that moment after the beating. So maybe that is part of it. And maybe they could have conveyed that a little bit better. And then theory could have got pissed and slammed on the briefcase and said, you know, screw it. I'm cashing this in right now because I want that United States championship. So there's a little bit of a human element there where maybe Austin theory just panicked in the moment and did a stupid thing. But I think I'm kind of reaching there because that's the best literal thing that i can come up with is for this to you make think? sense why well everybody keeps asking why would theory do this the only reason why theory would do this is because he's dumb he's stupid he made a terrible decision i've seen grown men in nfl games get personal conduct pals that have cost teams playoff games i have seen grown men in, in in NFL games, get pissed off at their opponent and take a closed fist and swing it at a dude wearing a helmet. Adults do stupid things in the heat of the moment. That is the best thing that I can come up with for why Austin Theory did what he did last night is he is stupid as hell. Character, I'm talking character-wise, that is the, that is, and this, at least to me, in this situation would be so much better than the typical dumb baby face syndrome that we always get where dude bro's about to win a match and it's like what let me pay attention to this dude who's 16 feet away oh no i took my eyes off my opponent and now i've he, lost he still does that don't don't know no, you, you're acting like that doesn't exist anymore in wwe it still exists no, i know it, it exists i'm saying i prefer this no over but this this was the type of move that it doesn't make you upset and it doesn't make you think Oh, this character is dumb. That's the direction they're going. No, it's a dumb booking move. It's not a dumb wrestling move. The guy was hurt. Cash in money in the bank. Why not? If you don't care about the world title, even though you have the character, Austin Theory has 
repeatedly told us he wants to be the youngest ever WWE undisputed WWE Universal Champion. So obviously yeah, he, just, he does. This goes against everything he says as a character. So therefore, once again, I think the booking is dumb. I don't think about the character at all. I just think the booking is dumb. You book this guy to be a chump, to be a loser. I understand he had the stigma of, you know, Vince McMahon. He was num- Vince McMahon's number one guy. No one liked him being money in the bank. Maybe he shouldn't have even won money in the bank. I was always uh, for that argument. I didn't think it was the right time for him to do that because I didn't expect WWE to push him. And they just made me right. R- old regime, new regime. At least the old regime was booking him properly to make him eventually feel like a money in the bank winner. And I like the idea and the story that came out from WrestleVotes and, and Give Me Sports about him holding on to the briefcase until the actual money in the bank pay-per-view there was all different type of ideas i talked about with dutch over the weekend i was like what if the money in the bank winner the men's money in the bank winner happens earlier in the night the world titles uh defended in the main event and you have both money in the bank winners racing to the ring and the one that won that night beats theory and theory runs out of time and that's how the story ends there was a whole bunch of different ways you could have gone about it and they even were alluding to it on commentary when um um, you know, I think I think Kevin Patrick said something about theory and Corey Graves was like, well, he has 365 days to cash in. So he still has plenty of time. I thought that was where they were going. And then they just completely just dropped all of that. So I don't think about theory's character at all. I don't say, oh, he's dumb for doing that. No, I think Triple H is dumb for booking this. But in a nutshell, watching it, it was entertaining. It was an entertaining show and entertaining angle is just long term wise. I'm more questioning the new regime than I am theory as a character. Yeah. I I think there were a couple of things that were working against uh, theory in this situation. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that there aren't two, there, there isn't a world title on raw. I think that that ultimately is what hurt him in this situation is because they weren't going to have Austin theory beat Roman Reigns. It just wasn't going to happen. And I don't even know if if Vince was really going to follow through on that, but this was one of those things that triple H inherited Theory was Mr. Money in the Bank, much like he inherited Liv Morgan as the SmackDown Women's Champion because Money in the Bank had already happened. And, of course, she cashed in like all of an hour later because that's just what the women do under under Vince McMahon's watch. Outside of Carmella, he inherited Liv Morgan as the champion. He inherited Austin Theory as Mr. Money in the Bank. And I think, you know, maybe this has something to do with the fact that Triple H is just trying to get his ducks in a row. For, for WrestleMania season and he saw the money in the bank as, as as an obstacle and decided to just go ahead and cut bait with it, which I don't necessarily agree is is the right decision because it definitely devalues the briefcase, which we'll get to coming up here in a minute uh, when we hop into the five count. But yeah, man, this this seemed rushed. This seemed unnecessary. And right now, like I need next week, I need a promo from Austin Theory explaining his damn actions because I have so many questions. Did this guy just decide to cut bait on trying to cash in with Roman Reigns because of the massive wall of defense that is the bloodline? And he thought he would never get the opportunity to to seize the moment and beat Roman Reigns because of all of the obstacles that lay before him. And he thought his best option was to take out an already beaten down Seth Rollins. Okay, fine. I can almost accept that, but you got to tell me that because right now this just feels like we're throwing this away and we're moving on because Triple H sees this money in the bank as an obstacle at this point. 
I would have loved for a actual story, even if they come out and they tell me that's the reason why he did it, I would have appreciated an actual story, an actual promo from Theory. That he's like, well, you know, I, I've been trying to go after the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship whenever Roman is here. It seems like someone gets in the way and then he's not here most of the time. So I think mm. I've got to think of a different a different angle to go. And then the appearance on NXT makes sense because they never followed up on him yeah, teasing exactly. of I, cashing. I'd rather, I'd rather him cash in on the NXT championship and lose. At least that's a world title. Right. At least that's Multiple an actual, people are the, saying that in the chat. Should have cashed in on Braun. Yeah, like cashing in on Braun and losing or cashing in on Roman and losing is a hell of a lot better than yeah. cashing in on mid-card title and losing. I mean, it would have been better had they just made SummerSlam a triple threat and then he lost. Like, honestly, that would that, that would have been better, I think, in, in that situation uh, than just having him cash in on the United States title on a, on a random Monday. Uh, the, the, the question of this now, what, what, what does this do to Austin theory moving forward? Uh, I have seen people bring up the idea that, you know, Hey, look what happened to Baron Corbin. Look what happened to Damian Sandow. Yeah. John Cena lost the money in the bank briefcase, but he was already well, well, well established at that point. Baron Corbin hasn't really recovered since then, even though they've given him a couple of nuggets here or there. Last guy to pin uh, Roman Reigns yeah. beat, beat Kurt Angle, one king of the ring. He's been given a few nuggets here or there, but he hasn't even sniffed the championship anywhere since and, he's had that briefcase. And people tend to forget that 2017, people thought Baron Corbin was a future world champion. And yes. him losing and not being able to successfully cash in money in the bank kind of killed that. They've done further stuff to kill that, but that was the first close, thing. He feels closer now than he ever has been since he's had that briefcase, thanks to JBL on the way they're booking him. And that even, was actually even that. Matches. Even that, uh, I, th I think you're speaking for yourself. Even that, that feels like the ceiling is U.S. Intercontinental title, not the world championship. You got to start somewhere, though. Like, you got to yeah. start. Like, he hasn't even, like, he held the mid-card title. He held the United States championship for, like, what, 40 days? That, that was a part of the their attempt to rehab him after he lost Money in the Bank. That was, was that after Money in the Bank? Yeah, that was after Money in the Bank. You do have a new regime. Triple H is in charge. I do think this could potentially be a good thing for Austin Theory because he wasn't ready to be that guy. He wasn't ready to win a world championship, but like, how does he recover from this? And the way that they did this, you have to question. Actually, I don't even think you have to question. There's there's no doubt in my mind that Triple H is not as high on Austin Theory as Vince McMahon was, obviously, but Vince McMahon gave him the, uh, you know, the Drew McIntyre kiss of death, basically, uh, saying that he's a future world champion. I'm not saying this time next year we're going to be seeing Austin Theory in tight leather pants air guitaring, but what I will say is this might be a long road back, and it's going to depend a lot on what Triple H does with him after this. Yeah, it's all about the follow-up at this point. In a nutshell, like I said, watching it, it was entertaining to watch the whole angle and how it transpired and, you know, the double turn with Bobby Lashley now is seems like he's being positioned as the top heel on Raw. Seth Rollins is now the top babyface. I think that was effectively done, but Theory was a casualty in an entertaining closing segment. Um, 
Mark show saying that the theory could say he was answering the open challenge. Absolutely could not do that. He definitely slammed his hand on the briefcase three times and said, I'm cashing this in. Um, so he can say whatever he wants, but uh, there, there's no give backs. There's no take backs. That, yeah. that, that was a thing. It happened. It's in the past. Now it's all about moving forward. And that said, and that's I, the thing. If this, if this was still Vince McMahon era, you could have done the, the Miz thing where Miz cashed in at TLC and they just gave him the, the contract back with Vince involved. They could have done something like that. Yeah. But now that Vince is not his kind of like his daddy and his keeper there, they, they don't even have that kind of way to kind of sneak out of this. They could always, and I know they brought it up on commentary, as you said, but they could always have Adam Pierce come out one night and say, hey, look, the fine print on the contract says for a world championship. So technically, your cash-in, while ill-advised and dumb and unsuccessful, was not valid. There is, They could do that. It's a scripted wrestling show, SP3. They can do whatever yeah. the hell they want, but I don't know. I, I doubt our reaction to it is, is going to make Triple H backpedal and put the briefcase back on Austin Theory. Honestly, if this was the direction they were going to go, I would have rather they had his match with Gargano be for the briefcase and they just put the damn briefcase on Johnny Gargano and have him do whatever the hell he was going to do with it. Um, he's going to move on from this Miz stuff sooner rather than later. It feels like that's ready to wrap up. Um, but I, I do like what is happening with the U.S. title scene because now all of a sudden, there are a lot of different options who are still involved. And yeah, that does include Ali. Actually, I'm, as MCAS brings up here, I'm actually more pissed about what happened to Ali last night than what I, I than what happened with Austin Theory. Like Ali just, he got DJ Jazzy Jeffed last night. Like he's sitting there on the Jumbotron. He's like, I'm getting ready to go. And then here comes Uncle Phil, AKA Bobby Lashley. Get up out my business. I'm going to just chuck you off the damn screen like you don't matter. Ali is still in the mix, and I still think he's eventually going to be the guy that beats Seth Rollins for that United States Championship, or at least I'm hopeful for that. But seeing what they did to Ali last night doesn't give me a lot of hope for that. I'd like to see a little bit more better booking for him. I mean, Ali, yeah, he got he got kind of shunned to the side. I thought he was the easy guy to kind of, uh, you know, accept the open challenge and kind of wrap up what we thought was going to be a feud with him and Seth Rollins, but evidently obviously that's not the case that they're going with i think they're going towards the the lashley rollins as we head into uh survivor series so unfortunately ali is going to be the man out on the cold but that that's crazy how he he man he pretty much scrapped that whole ali uh rollins feud it seems like in this segment well i mean maybe maybe because i always said when i first when, the, when they first started teasing this i'm like okay that's great that's great to set this up and ali can always be the thorn in seth's side but it makes absolutely no sense for ali to get a united states title shot at this time because he hasn't done unless he answers an open challenge he ain't won any damn matches to earn a united states championship i would like to see this kind of be a slow build over the course of several months. And when you're ready to do whatever you're going to do with Seth Rollins, when Cody Rhodes come comes back, because we both know those two are throwing down again when Cody's healthy, then you can make your move with Mustafa Ali. At least that's what I would do. And again, that's what I'm saying. I, I hope uh, is, um, it, it is on the horizon. I do like what they're doing with Bobby Lashley. He made no excuses. He's just about losing to, to Brock Lesnar at crown jewel. He's just absolutely 
pissed off and he wants to hurt some people. And I know there are people who want to talk about that tease, but we're going to wait until something actually happens on that front before we dive into whether or not he's just going to be hurting people and making it his business. If you know what I'm saying, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We did get another big return last night. Uh, I'm going to count this as a big return. I was very happy to see her. We we've been talking about it for a few weeks. Who could the OC possibly tab to even up the odds and solve their Rhea Ripley problem? We got the return of Mia Yim, who is back for some retribution, SP3. She is back to lay it down and kick Rhea Ripley's ass, which I'm not sure is going to happen because I think equally as uh, newsworthy, we definitely got the tease that Bianca and Rhea is coming up here soon, which makes me believe that Mia is not going to get the best of Rhea Ripley and that the Judgment Day ultimately is going to get the best of this series. But two very exciting developments because Mia Yim is incredibly talented. She got absolutely shafted when she got brought up to the main roster as Reckoning or whatever the hell her name was back then. I'm happy to see her back and being Mia Yim. And I think this is a really, really good fit with the OC. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that, you know, there was a lot of options that we talked about, uh, you know, throughout last week, heading into Crown Jewel and not having it at Crown Jewel, I think pretty much hurt LC. And this was the only thing to kind of extend this feud in some way, because the OC, you know, they did their whole return on uh, the October 10th episode of Raw. Then they uh, did next week. They won a match against the Alpha Academy that same night. AJ lost to Dominic. Then the next week, they got beat down by Judgment Day. The next week after that, they got beat down by Judgment Day. They lost at the pay-per-view, even after saying what their problem was and not addressing said problem. So it made not only made them look like losers compared to Judgment Day, it made them look like idiots because they, they recognized the problem and didn't address it, and they lost because of it. So here, they had to bring someone in, and Mia Yim, I'm so happy for her. I know she is someone who is so talented, who had, did some of the best work of her career in a short stint with Impact Wrestling. Great matchups with Jordan Grace, great match with uh, Deanna Peraza, great performance in the uh, Queen of the Mountain match. So Mia Yim, I'm so happy that she's back in WWE, has an opportunity to make her mark here, back on Monday Night Raw without a goddamn mask. I am all here for it. She took off the mess immediately that's what i was here for but i think that the only way that they get the better of this situation if it's 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 an eight person tag and the oc is ever able to get the pin on someone like a dominic i could see that kind of uh you know they could end it right after that and give oc that one win after pretty much being dominated by judgment day this entire time so but i do think yeah the long-term direction is rhea ripley who is my pick right now? I am saying it. November 8, 2022. My pick to win the Women's Royal Rumble wow. in 2023. Because I think it. that was an early tease. I think this is a slow oh, burn yeah. to Rhea Ripley winning the Rumble, Bianca Belair holding the title for a whole year and facing Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania 39. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because they still, and the only way that I think the OC gets the win here is now you bring Beth Phoenix back, right? Because that is that that's the albatross that, that we're waiting for here. Uh is, is Beth to return to get the match with Rhea and get her revenge. So maybe if they do like an eight-person tag at Survivor Series, maybe even a Survivor Series elimination style match uh between these two teams, you can have Beth Phoenix get involved and take out Rhea Ripley in that match uh to maybe help the OC get the win there. My only question is now. 
when do you do that match? Do you save it for the Royal Rumble? Does Rhea do the uh, the the pull the double duty that night? Does she beat Beth Phoenix and then go and win the Royal Rumble? Because you don't have a premium live event between Survivor Series and, and the Royal Rumble now. It's back-to-back big four pillar shows. Uh, and I would hope that that match, Rhea and Beth Phoenix, would be on a premium live event and not like on a special Monday Night Raw or something like that. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. But I would not be mad at that one iota if Rhea Ripley does end up winning. Uh, the the Royal Rumble, not at all. A saying Mia Yim got absolutely no reaction. I'm not saying she'd get the biggest reaction in the world, but that crowd last night was dog ass. They that was the worst crowd WWE has had in quite some time. Like, and I I said that uh, I do now a review for Raw over on Patreon, and one thing I will say that I said on that review was this show could have been uh, one of the better shows of the regime, but. And that crowd took everything down a notch by yes. their total lack of reaction. And the signs were there early from as soon as the first segment when Xavier Woods is saying these great lines and waiting for a response and he's not getting one. I was like, we're in trouble on this. episode. Yeah. The only person that I think they really popped for the whole night was Rollins. And even his reactions weren't great. Like he did the whole hold the microphone out to the crowd thing and barely maybe the two dudes in the front row said something. I'm like. Why did y'all come to this show to sit on your hands and do nothing? It's okay. You're allowed to, to scream and yell and get excited and, and get up all, all up ons, man. Like that crowd was, but just terrible last night. I'm happy you brought up the New Day Uso segment because I thought that was absolutely spectacular. We're going to get into that uh, here in a few, but uh, let's dive into this first, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Saw a lot of people, SP3, after the main event last night saying something along the lines of, it is time to end the Money in the Bank briefcase, put it on hiatus, get rid of it, this, that, and the other thing. It is dead. Rest in peace to the Money in the Bank briefcase. I like to look on things on the brighter side, so I'll ask you this question. Did last night do more to devalue the Money in the Bank briefcase or more to elevate the United States Championship, which you called a mid-card championship? And it is a secondary title, but it's the only one that Raw has right now. Did that do more to elevate that, or do you think it really did kind of hurt the Money in the Bank briefcase here? It hurt the Money in the Bank briefcase. I think the whole reign in general for uh, Austin Theory hurt the Money in the Bank, Money in the Bank briefcase where – this, in my eyes, was like the big five pay-per-view. Now I'm at the point where I wouldn't just mind them moving it back to WrestleMania and not making it a pay-per-view anymore. If it means that they're going to concentrate and actually think about for a minute who they want to have the briefcase heading into that show and they can make out a plan for the briefcase holder to have a successful run because it's been quite some time. It's been probably since Seth Rollins in 2014 since we had a legitimate strong run with the briefcase for the Money in the Bank winner. Some people will bring up Carmella, but I'm not bringing her up because that wasn't what I call preferably a great run because of the way she won the briefcase in general, but uh, to each his own there. But yeah, I just, I think it devalued the briefcase. I think they've done more over the last three months to elevate the United States championship that this one angle didn't elevate it in the same way that it devalued the money in the bank briefcase. I, 
And, and part of me is looking at it as like everything that you just said, how much value did the money in the bank briefcase truly had? I mean, you go back and look what happened when they gave it to Otis and then they hot shot it to the Miz. And like you said, you brought it up, he cashes it in, but then it was like, no, he gets the redo. And then he does cash it in on McIntyre and he wins the WWE championship for the second time in his career only to basically just get his ass handed to him on a silver platter by Bobby Lashley all eight days later. Now, granted, <coughs> that whole maneuvering made Bobby Lashley look like a million bucks that night, and Miz played his role to perfection, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that Money in the Bank briefcase held a whole lot more value, that it, it has steadily gone down over the last few years, and long gone are the days of CM Punk and Edge and those, those big cash-ins and those career-altering moments. Big E was nice, could have been executed a lot better. I think we'll all agree on that. Uh, as far as his run with the briefcase and his eventual cash in and ultimately his world title run all, could have been ex much, much better. Um, I, I think if the money in the bank briefcase is going to continue, Triple H has to come up with a plan, like you said, figure out who he wants from an early stage and then actually put some storyline into it, not just, okay, here's your briefcase, and okay, in about two hours, Liv or Nikki or whoever the hell is going to win the women's briefcase, you're going to go out there and cash in, and, and you're the champion, and we're just going to move forward. And yeah, okay, uh, whether your name is Theory or Dolph Ziggler or whoever, you're just going to lose for an entire year, and then we're going to have you cash it in, and you're going to be our big bad heel. It's the same old trope over and over again. I think this was just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people last night. Even though, like you said, it was entertaining, it was interesting, it got people talking about the Money in the Bank briefcase, but maybe not necessarily the way they want it, uh, Triple H would want it to. I will say last night was a good night for the United States Championship. This did elevate it, and it wasn't just that one segment either. You also had earlier in the night Finn Balor coming out to answer the Opian Challenge initially and said, hey, look, you cost me gold back in 2016. So I'm here to take this from you, kind of putting the United States Championship on the same level as the Universal Championship, at least a little bit. But I will say, if I had to pick one, I think this does devalue the briefcase a little bit more than it did elevate the United States title. Although I do appreciate Triple H trying. I, I really, really do. But Raw needs its world championship back. But at least Seth Rollins, a babyface-ish Seth Rollins with the United States title as its top championship, you could do a lot worse. Speaking of Triple H, after uh, Roman Reigns defeated Logan Paul in a very, very good uh, main event at, at Crown Jewel. I mean, you, you got to give his props. Whether you like him or not, Logan Paul is way better at this than he has any business being after three matches. That was spectacular. Made all the even more impressed by the fact that he tore every major ligament in his knee like halfway through the damn thing. Finishes the match. Incredible. At the end of the day, though, it's Roman Reigns who walks out. We all figured it was going to happen. He's well over 800 days now as the uh, WWE Universal Champion, Undisputed Universal Champion, whatever you want to call him. Reports are that Triple H has a quote-unquote idea on who he's going to have dethrone Roman Reigns, even though it may not happen for a while. Strap in, folks. I think Roman's getting to 1,000 days. But I'll ask it, SP3. Not Logan Paul. Not going to happen anytime soon. Triple H has an idea. Okay. Who? Who could you possibly think is the idea floating around in Triple H's head right now? I think there's a the reason why it's floating around is because there's a few people who are candidates, and two of which is the same ones that we said 
after WrestleMania when he became the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. I think that Braun Breaker has done a lot of improving over the last couple of months and arguably has has had his best two matches in the last three months uh, since Triple H has gone into power. His match against Tyler Bate at Worlds Collide and then his performance in the Halloween Havoc triple threat with Ilya Dragunov and JD McDonough. It shows that, uh, you know, he's ever improving. He has that presence. He has that charisma. He's a young guy as well. He's the type of guy that you can build around and instantly make if he comes up to the main roster and his first big thing is challenging. It's kind of like the Kevin Owens thing, bursting thing, challenging the top star and beating him and winning the Undisputed Universal Champion. You just made yourself a new star. Uh, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes completing that journey, completing that story, and, you know, uh, it, it's what a lot of fans are here for. This is what the, R- Cody Rhodes came back for. They want to see that story be completed, and they want to be along for the journey to see him finally win the championship. And there's no greater guy for him to beat than Roman Reigns. And plus, that's that's like one of the bigger matchups WWE can offer from their full-time roster. And then... It's Sami Zayn. Say it. Say it's it. Sami Zayn. Say it loud. Say it's, it proud. It's Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is the hottest baby face that they have playing a heel right now. And they're just waiting for the moment to snap their fingers, to flip that switch, and allow the fans to cheer for Sami Zayn, to rally behind him. I don't think... I think that it, it it's those three names that are kind of going around Triple H's head and he's debating, you know, the 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 you know the pros and cons of all of them. I myself, I I think the more of the story for Sami Zayn is about him and Jay. So it would I think that it would mean more for the overall story of Sami Zayn to reunite with Kevin Owens and end the longest run of the you know undisputed WWE tag team champions that these Usos are on at WrestleMania. So that leaves the spot open for the other two. And me, even though I am a fan of Cody, I do want to see him complete it. I feel, and I still stand by this, the story is more about Cody winning the championship more than it will be about him dethroning Roman. So I think Braun Breaker is the answer for a guy who is talented, who, you know, we, we don't know what the potential, where he can actually reach, but you can instantly make him a star by him beating Roman. And he has that look. Like 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 the like Undertaker said, he said only the Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar could look like the guy that can end the streak. That's how I feel about Braun Breaker. This long title run, Braun Breaker looks like the type of guy that could come up on the main roster and beat Roman Reigns. So that's why I will take Braun Breaker. Uh, Steven saying Gunther, uh, I think it's too soon. I think his booking has been spectacular, especially since Triple H has taken over. I love the fact that Imperium is back together. Keep that man. The, the way you go. His intercontinental title run should be extremely long. Uh, I know the fact that this, this whole World Cup thing that they're doing on SmackDown is to earn a shot at the intercontinental championship. I'd like to see somebody like maybe a Drew McIntyre win that. You need something for him to do because, and selfishly, I want to see Drew McIntyre and Gunther beat the hell out of each other, but Gunther should still win that matchup. Like, I think he's fine on the path that he is on. I am with you 100% on Sami Zayn. It feels like that is the direction that it needs to go with this. Like he is encompassing the entire 
bloodline at this point. He is the most over person. All he's got to do is pick up a microphone and the crowds, maybe it wouldn't have happened last night in Wilkes-Barre, but the crowds are losing their damn minds whenever he gets, and everything he's doing hits. He is hitting home run after home run after home run. His work has been impeccable. And I know we're sitting here saying, hey, well, it makes more sense to go with Jay. Jay possibly has a broken wrist right now, which, you know, we're going to talk about here in a second when we get to this tag team title match on Friday. What if, you know, maybe part of the setup here, and Sean Rossap brought this up on Twitter, if Jay can't continue as SmackDown World Champion, is have Sami Zayn fill in for Jay Uso as the tag team champion and have him and Jimmy run with those tag team titles for a while before you get to whatever you're going to do past WrestleMania season. Because if it's, if it is Sami Zayn, assuming that the rock is facing Roman Reigns, he ain't dropping this belt anytime soon. So there's still a lot of ground that you got to cover several months before you can even pull the trigger on doing Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. I will say one other name uh, that, deserves mention is Seth Rollins. I think the story is still there. Uh, he does have Roman Reigns number. He is still owed a rematch in my book from based off of what happened at the Royal Rumble earlier this year. And if you're going to bring back Cody and have him win it off of somebody, Seth Rollins makes all the damn sense in the world. I know you don't care about Cody and Seth for at this point. We're going to get it at some way, shape or form. I do and agree with that. You. That Cody feels like a wait. Oh. That feels like a waste of Roman's reign if Seth Rollins wins it because you want to make a new star. That's that's the whole thing. And I that's get why. That's why I said Braun Breaker. That's why I even brought up you know Sami Zayn or Cody Rose because at least that that is a the biggest win of their careers. Even if Seth beats Roman, I couldn't say that's the biggest win of his career. Still, it's not bigger than WrestleMania 31. So like yeah. that would be a waste. Let's turn our attention to what we're going to see on Friday, which is going to be the New Day and the Usos for the Undisputed Tag Team Championships, a match that we have seen ad nauseum. But you know what? I don't care because it's good pretty much every damn time that these two get together. And they did, <coughs> excuse me, an absolutely incredible job of making people care about this match all over again last night with their promo exchange, which was absolutely brilliant. It it and it was brilliant in its simplicity. It wasn't a bunch of overhyped insults. It wasn't a rap battle. It wasn't anything silly or stupid. It was simple, powerful dialogue playing off of their history and showcasing two incredible tag teams who took two completely different, albeit extremely difficult roads to success and are going to fight over world tag team championships. It was an absolutely perfect segment last night until Riddle showed up and uh, <laughs> completely ruined it. And, excuse me, uh, the, the bong stuff is genuinely hilarious. I, I had no problem with the bong stuff. That was not the time or place for it, and that's what ruined it for me. That was a perfect segment until Riddle came out. It felt like square peg round hole. Wasn't the right time for it, even though they're setting up a six-man tag match. Regardless, this is a very intriguing matchup on Friday because you have the Usos or excuse me, the new day who are coming in there to protect their title reign SP three, their title record. You have the Usos with Jay possibly being hurt with the broken wrist. Could we see a title change here? Will the new day capture the tag team titles on Friday and protect their record and win the tag belts for, I think the 12th, 
maybe 13th time i've lost count i think it's like 12 uh no I think the Usos retain and they hit the record. The New Day already have, uh, you know, the lead as far as the most title reigns between these two teams. And, I, of course, I think the New Day are going to have other tag team title reigns. But it's not the right time to end this reign. I think, like I said before, the title reign needs to end at the hands of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. That feels like the right team, the right time, the right story to, to finish this run. You want to, you know, make it feel like it has a proper conclusion and i think they did a good job of building up to this matchup and the usos versus new day i will tell you before day one i was sick of this matchup never wanted to see it again when it was announced for day one i was like oh my god i've seen this match 400 times and then they had the best match at day one they have they have good matches they have good to great matches every single time but i am at my limit as far as seeing it but this feels like the right story. It feels like the right time. Honestly, I wish Crown Jewel was a week later because if it was this Saturday and it just it would have felt like an even bigger matchup being on a pay-per-view stage, you know, in a stadium in Saudi Arabia with one day left before the title reign is uh, tied by the Usos. I think it would have been a little bit better, but being it on TV, hopefully it pops a good rating and people could see that the New Day still retained, still popular, still are stars, and the Uso, they've done such a great job of building them as one of the greatest tag teams in WWE history. Yeah, uh, I think for me, the X factor is Jay's wrist and how injured it it really is. He's been able to work through it. He's worked two matches now with this this wrist. Don't know if it's really kayfabe or, or not, to be completely honest with you, but they're bringing it up for a reason. And I'm wondering if the direction they decide to go is ultimately to slide Sami Zayn in that role where he fills in for Jay. I think that's a juicy story that could that could carry for a few weeks until until Jay is healthy. And you could even have a situation where Jimmy and Sammy are just absolutely gelling as a team. And all of a sudden, Jay's ready to come back. And maybe Jimmy's like, no, dog, why don't, you, why don't you slow down for a little bit? You know, we're, we're kind of cooking over here. You don't, don't want to mess up any kind of uh, flow that we got going on. I think that would be a great story. Um, I do think the Usos are going to retain, but I do think it's kind of poetic that the last defense for the Usos to get to that record-breaking day is going to be by beating the New Day. So I like them setting up this matchup on Friday. We knew it was coming. We've known it's been coming for several, several weeks at this point, but now it is official. We are getting our women's war games match at Survivor Series. It is a 10-woman match. We have uh, eight, excuse me, seven of the competitors in this match at this point. SP3. Who are the other three going to be? Uh, this is, we, we have Damage Control and Nikki Cross on one side. We'll talk about what Nikki did last night in a second, which was genuinely hilarious. But we got those three on one side. We got this team of Bianca and Alexa and Asuka on one side. We got three spots to fill. You look at the roster, though, not a lot of slam dunk choices. And I know a lot of people are going to look at the location where Survivor Series is going to go. Look at the fact that there are two open slots on the good side and you know who they're going to point to. Who do you think absolutely shows up and actually wrestles in Survivor Series and War Games? Of course, most fans are going to want the two slots on uh, Bianca's team to be filled by Sasha Banks and Naomi. And I can definitely see that it is in Sasha Banks' hometown of Boston. That's an easy pop, easy big pop. Wherever Sasha and Naomi return, they're going to get a huge pop. And Boston, it seems like that, that would be the biggest. But... I think the, the story has kind of 
uh, put different people involved where I can see uh, the last spot on uh, Bailey's team. Hmm. That that's interesting because Bailey could call up her friend, and that could be the spot for Sasha Banks as well. If they want Sasha to come back as a heel, I mean, she's still going to get a big pop regardless. But or well, they can add Bailey, someone. Just real quick, were Bailey and Sasha on good terms last time that they were both active? I can't remember. I don't think they were. The fact that you said I can't remember, and you think any the majority of fans don't Fair also enough. remember. They don't remember. They weren't on good terms, but they they don't WWE don't expect anyone to remember that. So she could just say, Oh, I called up my best friend. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, they had one final beat, but the other week Johnny Gargano said, I was just on the phone with Tommy. So yeah, like they, no, they don't expect you to remember where they were last. So I could easily see that, but I think the story is kind of dictating where the babyface team, they're going to add Candice. Uh, Candice LeRae is going to be back on their side. And I can see them throwing in someone new, someone returning. That's not Sasha and Naomi. I think yeah. maybe I think maybe we could get Sasha at this show because Boston just seems like the perfect setting and she could be on anything. So I'll throw Sasha's name out there for Maybe I'll put her on the damage control team. I think that's just more interesting for me. And then the final spot, it's either going to be either Becky or someone returning, which is like, I think maybe Tegan Knox. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, a, that's a nice little story in there with her history with Dakota Kai. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, wishful thinking they want it to be Sasha and they want it to be Naomi. Um, if that's the case, you need to have, it'd be a mystery heading into, into Boston, right? Like we don't know who the competitors are going to be, but at that situation, we'll, we'll know who the competitors are like they, we, you need that pop for Sasha, especially her music hits and the crowd in Boston just loses their ever loving mind. And then you make her the fifth and final entrant for that team into, you just get the crowd building and building and building, waiting to see Sasha come into war games. If that's what, they decide to do if that's the direction that uh that, that sasha decides to make she did put out that video what just last week saying she'd been waiting for this day that's coming up for six months uh now and something exciting is coming on the horizon so she's teasing you know something big coming up boston survivor series war games it makes a ton of sense i think the more likely thing though that we're going to get from the babyface standpoint is somebody like Candice LeRae that makes sense from a, a storyline standpoint and maybe a returning Becky if she is healthy enough to kind of continue that story that they started at, at, at SummerSlam but were not able to continue because of Becky's shoulder injury. That might be a tough ask of Becky saying, hey, your first match back, by the way, from an injury, uh, you're in war games. Saddle up. Let's go. Uh, you know, so that that might be a tough ask, uh, which, you know, again, you got to look for a baby face out there. Maybe somebody who's crazy that could counteract the craziness of Nikki Cross. And somebody did bring up the fact earlier uh, that Liv Morgan is in the trailer for Survivor Series war games. Doesn't always mean anything. I remember one time interviewing Liv Morgan ahead of a pay-per-view that she wasn't even on the card for. So it doesn't always necessarily mean something, but I think she could fit there. As far as the um, the last spot for the damage control team, I know people are saying Rhea in the chat doesn't look like she doesn't make sense for her to be involved in this from a storyline standpoint. I'm, I'm still crossing my fingers for a return, and that could be somebody like a Tegan Knox. That could be... That, that could be Piper Niven. I think that could be a great spot for Piper Niven because we have not seen her since Nikki and her had been arguing backstage back and forth. So if you had to put a gun to my head and said, hey, pick three, I will go with 
I, I will go with Piper Niven to, to round out the heels, and I will go with probably Lib Morgan and Candice LeRae to round out the, the good girl side, even though I think a lot of people are hoping for the Becky and Sasha's and the Naomi's of the world. Charlotte, I, I don't know, Stephen, if that's the way that, that for Charlotte to come in. Doesn't make sense for her to be involved in any of this either. So I think she's going to come back looking for Ronda in the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think that's when uh, we're going to see Charlotte get involved in any way, shape, or form. Speaking of Nikki Cross last night, SP3, she won the 24-7 championship by beating Dana Brooke. Uh, it's the first time we have seen the 24-7 championship on anywhere other than a house show in months. Pretty much since Triple H took over, I kind of forgot it existed. I kind of hoped that it didn't exist anymore. And then Nikki wins the damn match last night in convincing fashion, which she should have. And then she did. She, <coughs> it looks like she didn't even care about the title. Like Bailey had to walk over and place it on her shoulders. She's just walking and staring at the lights like she's a mosquito getting ready to go into the bug zapper. And then we go backstage and she just nonchalantly chucks the belt into the trash can, which was made even more hilarious by the fact that she completely missed the fucking thing. And it just crashes down on the ground and she does not care. Have we officially seen the last of the 24-7 championship? And was this a, uh, you know, an appropriate demise for this title if that was the case? Um, I think we have seen the last of the 24-7 title. It seems too much like Triple H to do it in a random backstage segment the way they did. Totally missed the trash. It hit the floor. It was very obvious. very, And it seemed appropriate for the 24-7 title that that's the end. That you try to throw it in the trash and it totally missed. Just like the point of this entire title, totally missed. So yeah, yeah. I think we've seen the last. Um, it, it, it's a shame that he got hurt because we were so close to my perfect booking for the end of this championship in which somebody wins it, throws the damn thing. I said a dumpster, right? I said throw, chucks the damn thing in a dumpster. And then we get our truth popping out with like a banana peel in his head and this, that, and the other thing just covered in trash. He holds up the 24 seven championship. He jumps out. He screams, I got my baby back. He gives us a bell kick and he runs off screen. And that's the last time we see that championship ever. I think that would have been the perfect ending for that with the fact that he's hurt possibly with a, a, a torn uh, quad at this point could not do that. I think this was the, the perfect thing. Like, and this elevates Nikki too. Because Nikki is so much better than chasing or wanting or caring about that 24-7 title. Uh, it, it's almost like she did what Becky should have done when Becky was put in a 24-7 championship match, right? Like, now nah, you, you can keep that damn thing. I don't care about it. Becky should have won the 24-7 championship and chucked it in the garbage because she's bigger and better than that. That would have been perfect for her character. I'm happy that, that Nikki did this. This title just absolutely missed the mark from day one. People were hoping that it was going to be the hardcore championship and it just ended up being the roll-up title. I think if they had actually used it as more of the old 24 seven hardcore title where, you know, you could actually beat people by hitting him with kendo sticks and this, that, and the other thing and actually made some fun with it instead of just being dumb, it would have worked a lot better. That said, it did serve a purpose. It got some people over. It got some people on TV that ordinarily wouldn't have been on television. And this sucks for them. The fact that this whole division is now going away. The Akira Tozawa's, the Dana Brooks, the where, where's Reggie, you know, the Reginals of the world that really did their best to make this championship what it was and got on television. It sucks for them that it's gone, but this belt really served no purpose whatsoever. And 
yeah, it just needed to go by the wayside. And I know there are people out there tweeting, well, maybe they'll turn it into a, a women's secondary championship. They're not going to do that. If they give us a women's secondary championship, they will just introduce a women's secondary title. They're not going to take a championship that no one gives a fuck about and just say, well, now it's the women's intercontinental title. Hooray. No one's going to do that. Absolutely no one's going to do that. So um, cross your fingers if you want a women's secondary title, but I think it's going to be a long time before uh, we get that. And let's just focus on actually booking the tag team division correctly first, which we didn't have time to get into it today, but it could have been a lot worse, SP3, for damage control at Crown Jewel. I did love the finish to Bailey and Bianca, and I loved Bailey's storytelling last night where she was genuinely pissed off that she lost that match, as she should have been. Didn't want to talk to commentary. Didn't want to do anything. Is just focused on war games, and damage control needs to win war games. They got to get this done. SP3, congratulations are in order for a True Heel Heat as you guys uh, passed 3,000 sub, uh, subscribers today, and you guys got uh, another show coming up this week, yeah? Yes. Uh, thank you all who have supported us on the True Heel Heat YouTube channel. We hit 3,000 subscribers today. An appropriate week to do it because this Saturday, 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time, True Heel Heat 200 uh, will be celebrating 200 episodes of our flagship podcast. Big. So, and... 3,000 subscribers. So join us for that. Join us for AE Ramble on Thursday, 1.05 p.m. Mr. Time with myself and Jimmy talking about AEW Dynamite. Big time. Uh, we are closing in on 500 subscribers, which is incredible for the fact that we've only been around for 11 months. So thank you guys so much for all of the support. If you like us, tell other people about us. Share it out. Again, once we get to 500 subscribers, somebody's winning $100 uh, free cash money for Shop AEW or WWE Shop. Check out my pinned tweet at Rick Uchino uh, for all of the details. Uh, thank you guys so much. SB3 and I will be back later on this week. We'll let you know when that's going to be because schedules don't always align, so we'll just do it when we can do it. We'll be back. Thank you guys so much. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.